Offensa joins me now on the line. Good evening to you, Offensa, and welcome. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, thank you. Clever uh, Offensa, let's maybe start off here, Morena. Uh, if, if, if we look at, I guess, you know, all of the dilly-dallying, the politics around ETOPS. I mean, you, you heard provincial uh, uh, premier here in Gauteng, uh, uh, David Makura, saying, you know, he is going to do everything in his political tool bag or toolkit to try and uh, make sure that he persuades his colleagues to do away with ETOLs. Um, and it seems also that Sunral isn't as wedded to their view that it's ETOLs or nothing that they might have had, I guess, uh, and strongly held during the time of uh, Nazir Ali at, uh, at the state-owned entity. So it's clear, I guess, not everybody's just wedded to ETOLs. There is a prospect of looking for other f uh, uh, sources of funding. But it seems if we don't make that decision soon, we might find ourselves in somewhat of a pickle. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, sometimes we have to zoom out um, and understand that, you know, the the process around the e-tolling exercise yeah, is, is a reflection of how we can manage infrastructure projects, mega projects in particular. Mm -hmm. So one of the things one of the things that were discussed in the, the infrastructure conference is that, um, you know, the fact that we were unable to to manage compliance or at least attract compliance to cover the allocation risk of large-scale large infrastructure projects is not a good sign for, for investors or for domestic uh, capital, um, capital circulation. And so, but the big, the big issue that you're asking me about is, um, you know, how did we get here? You know, and, and what, what, are the, what are the politics that are hidden behind, you know, this destination? And it's quite clear that we have, you know, pressure groups that we have an incentive, and we also have the road user right in the middle. But the big picture is that the Houting Freeway Improvement Project was much more than just about road pricing. It was really going to be a system that ring fences finance and actually builds or rebuilds the public transportation systems in Houting at large. So we have a missed mm -hmm. opportunity in our hands as well. Yeah, yeah. And in addition to that missed opportunity, uh, you know, offense, I guess, I guess there's, there's, there's all manner of other questions that emerge, not only just about, you know, where you're going to find uh, uh, the 67 billion rand to be able to at least deal with the Gauteng Freeway improvement part of the debt, but I guess the implications of funding all of the stuff from the fiscus. And I want us to return to some of those themes in the next few minutes or so. Let's take this uh, quick break. And when we come back, I will continue and uh, ask what implications will all of this have if we solely fund uh, the repair, maintenance, and I guess the investment in new infrastructure straight from the fiscus through either increases in the fuel levy or the introduction of an infrastructure levy. We'll continue with Offensa Mokwena from Northwest University after this. 11 minutes it is before 9 p.m. We're under the microscope this evening taking a look at what's happening at Sunral. Now, uh, I'm joined by Offensa Mokwena, who's a lecturer and transport economist at Northwest University. And Offensa, uh, it was quite clear, I guess, uh, some of the options that are open now. Uh, if you're going to scrap the tolls, you've got to find another mechanism to recover some of the uh, uh, costs of uh, setting out those roads, um, effectively to be able to pay some of the bondholders in the capital markets who have ex extended this money to Sandral in order for us to be able to build these roads. Have we been able, I guess, from a political perspective, to resolve uh, some of the, uh, I guess, financing conundrums that uh, the e-toll question raises? Well, it's to be quite, to be quite honest, I think the the special purpose vehicle, or or at least the entity that's responsible for this um, this situation, 
is is nowadays you know very very quiet about the the merit for e tolling at the moment. And what we know from the research is that it is very difficult to charge people for expanding road infrastructure. You know, it's very easy to charge people for new road infrastructure, but it's very difficult to convince people that the road that you've always been using is now coming at a price. Um, and, and that's really where the hidden challenge is. And it, it's a global phenomenon. However, simultaneously, we have to look at the Gauteng Freeway Improvement Project way, you know, well beyond the, the, the 180 kilometers that we have at the moment. Um, we should be looking at the broader picture. And by the way, it's really, uh, it's less than 2% of how things, you know, network, you know, <laughs> that we're talking about that will be priced. But it is a productive corridor. And mm. one way or the other, one way or the other, we have to have this trade-off where people pay for a piece of infrastructure so that they can subsidize new types of infrastructure, particularly for those who don't own private cars and the public transport network that we desperately need, particularly in Gauteng. And and, and if we, we, I guess, worst case scenario, get to a point where, uh, yes, e-tolls are scrapped, and I guess that might not be a worst case scenario for for Gauteng commuters and uh, uh, drivers, Uh, and you add to that, I guess, uh, you know, funding, of the 67 billion rand obligation and other debt on Sunrise balance sheet straight through the fiscus. What will that mean? I mean, uh, we heard uh, Skumbuzo Bakozoma suggesting that then you're going to have some of the ones, uh, some of the more lucrative routes and uh, the busier routes gobbling up all of the maintenance and other capital investment uh, uh, resources at the expense of some of the more, I guess, marginal parts and uh, parts that are on the periphery of the main economic nodes. Uh, of our national road network and uh, certainly an unsustainable uh, uh, set of play. Is he being alarmist? Is he overplaying, I guess, uh, uh, what the trigger impact could be if we fund some of this straight from the fiscus rather than recovering the cost from the user? Well, there's a domino effect here. And what what, um, our road road regulator is sort of um, trying to avoid is setting a precedent upon which they cannot expand or invest in road infrastructure or facilitate the investment in road infrastructure that will be financed by or through private sector participation or public-private partnerships. And the moment we are sort of unable to do that, then the, the national road network, particularly the most lucrative corridors, as you've mentioned, start becoming in the hands of the state. Um, completely in the hands of the state, not in terms of ownership, but in terms of operation and management. Mm. And one thing that we know is that there is a challenge with regard to efficiency in that regard. But just to add on this, the domino effect is that Gauteng is growing. South Africa is expected to have, I don't know, about 75 million uh, people by 2050. Um, you can imagine how many private car, public transport, and all kinds of vehicle use is going to be necessary, and all of that is going to be happening on very scarce infrastructure. Now, how will that infrastructure be financed? You know, will the fiscus genuinely manage? How much do we want people to pay in their taxes to finance these kinds of, you know, on a national level? So basically, the whole country will end up paying for a few, you know, thousand kilometers in one particular area. I mean, that's a bit, you know, complex for anyone to digest although the benefits ripple right through the country as well. 
And, and that's something that, that we need to debate. But to answer you more directly, the domino effect is exponential. If we miss out on being able to expand and finance appropriate infrastructure, not just road infrastructure, but rail and, and, and other forms of infrastructure, then we will miss out on the opportunity to contain future travel demand. And that's a big risk. Offense, it, it, it's, it's quite interesting as you're talking there that um, on the one hand, a big part of the economic recovery, and we know that economic recovery document uh, that was debated at NEDLAC uh, said to come out, uh, rather soon, but a big chunk of that has been this idea of having an infrastructure-led recovery, and not only just for the impact that it can have in reducing transaction costs, catalyzing other forms of economic activity, but even in the short term, its ability you know, to be married to public employment programs, uh, to effectively get people into work in a, in a country that has had crisis levels of unemployment uh, since time immemorial. And, and, and it sometimes sounds to me that on the one hand, you hear this from Sunral, and then you, you try and maybe reconcile that with some of the remarks and comments that have been made, uh, that certainly, you know, to, to I guess, the, the observer might seem like we're already get reading ourselves for an infrastructure boom like what we saw in 2010, and yet you then have a CEO at Sunral coming out and saying, uh-uh, hold your horses, it might not happen. Something similar also coming out of the other SOEs, and it makes one wonder, I guess, uh, you know, how much purchase we add to this challenge of infrastructure and how much of the road c component of it will be viable and will be uh, something that we can manage if we don't resolve this particular issue? Yeah, you know, it, it, you're raising a very interesting point that, um, that there are two gears that should be, you know, working together, but they're in a type of friction. And it's the same kind of friction that we saw between the province and, you know, and, 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 and the national argument around, you know, road pricing or at least e-tolls. And the, the, the core issue here is that when you have a project of this nature, any project of this nature, there is a generational issue. So one of, the, one of the things that I like to mention is that the people who were surveyed in the original, you know, e-tolling initiative are, you know, are adults right now, and they just started driving, and they just started driving. There's a genuine temporal aspect in the way in which we design these projects. And this temporal aspect is the primary source of risk. The fact that, you know, billboards, campaigns, and all kinds of media outlets and debates pushed the allocation risk toward a society of non-compliance, it, it wasn't by mistake. It is a byproduct of the time, you know, and the sample that was used in the initial setup of the project and how that has changed over time and how the constituency, how people's finances and how car ownership has changed as well. So when you're looking at these mega projects or these large-scale infrastructure arguments, you we always have to bear in mind these things take long uh, and there is a generational shift that always is bellowing beneath. And you have to almost confront that in your allocation risk. And what I mean by allocation risk is exactly mm. this, user pay. You know, <laughs> you know, you almost have to account for that. And, and that's where the big risk is coming from. So the debate is, is, is very, very difficult. But the solution is quite straightforward. What is it? Oh, <laughs> so the primary that's source that's here... So, to address something like this, you have to provide public guarantees, but, but not the kind of guarantees we're used to. So, you almost have to say that 
the, the resources that will be coming from road pricing will be directed at households or transportation services that require a certain type of transportation mode to be improved, to be refurbished, or what have you. And, and, but this has to be guaranteed ring fencing to say that, okay, mm. we, are, we are willing to pay for this because it's not just for the road infrastructure, but it is also serving another purpose. And then, of course, you change, you're going to have to change the, the concession agreement, you're going to change a few things to basically build this up. But it is plausible for you to set something like this up without, you know, stressing anybody out, really, um, other than the people who are behind the project. <laughs> Offensa, we'll have to leave it there, my brother. And uh, certainly, yeah, a lot to be, lot to be said and a lot... Uh, to be uh, uh, looked over over the next while when it comes to that particular question. But as always, my brother, pleasure catching up with you on issues uh, related to our transport economy and uh, the implications of some of the policy decisions that are made there. May the conversation continue on that score, but uh, we'll have to uh, leave it here for now. Uh, just uh, a minute shy of 9 p.m. And the man with the music center is going to be your soulful accompaniment all the way through to midnight as we make our way to a Q- Day and uh, you have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Kubaga lokuti wa kumbona kutubela na nangoko. Sisi saibanga le economy.